This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I think the ice bowl with the wind chill, I don't remember. It was mm, minus 40, kind of. Am I, that rings a bell. I think the, uh, the low in Kansas City, um, I checked earlier uh, before we went on the air, was supposed to be like seven or eight below. And I think the wind's going to be blowing. So it's going to be miserable conditions for a game that kicks off in the dark, too. I mean, it's 540 yes. kickoff. It'll be dark uh, in Kansas City when we finally get to the AFC Championship. Of course, no, no worries about the NFC. There's a roof over its head uh, at the Superdome. In New Orleans. But uh, Blair Kirkhoff's going to join us. we got a whole bunch of topics to get to with Blair. Look forward to doing that at about 1040 or thereabouts. Uh, with uh, And then on to the 11 o'clock hour, Zubin Mahente from ESPN in his regular spot on a Tuesday. And I'm going to do a little something different at the end of the program because I'm a little envious of one of our co-workers here, our, one of our colleagues, Ross Peterson, and that tr- fishing trip that he gets to go on every single year to uh, to Ballard's Resort five or six minutes on uh, on what that entails and maybe we can help uh, fill up that uh, fill up that trip as well it's going to remind me i'm going to take a little trip down memory lane here i got a feeling trent con yes because that was uh, life as a canadian boy in the summertime was hunting and fishing and of course ballard's is uh you know, they say it's the trip of a lifetime for as far as fishing. The only bad part about it, it's right in the middle of college football season Ooh. and the NFL. So you got to be willing to sacrifice. And it's nearly impossible for you to leave your basement. No, I wouldn't time. do it. There's no way I would do never. it. Never, never, no, 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 uh, uh-uh. um, never. You only get twelve of them, right? Right. I mean, twelve college Saturdays. Well, you get 14, but the 12 of them move the needle more than others. I, I couldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it um, because I would miss it so much. But it sounds like a hell of a trip. It really does. And Ross is going to come in here and spend five or six minutes on him, and then we'll do a little tube talk before we get out of here. You know, that's where I want to start just because I found this really odd. You know what the game of the night is in college basketball? Have you looked at tonight's slate? I have not yet. We've I'm... got a top 10 matchup, Virginia Tech and Virginia. Ah, yes. Two really good teams. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Two best teams in the conference not named Duke? Or now that we saw Duke kind of struggle the way they got beat last night by Syracuse. I mean, Jones went out with a wrist or shoulder, shoulder. Um, but here's my point regarding that, Trent. Find that game for me, would you please? Oh, it's not on ESPN? It's nowhere. It's not on the Deuce? No. ACC Network. What's that? That would be your Fox Sports Overflow, I believe. You'll be able to find it like on Masson. But it says like ESPN. That. ACC, ESPN Plus. I'm going to find it right now. I'm going to want, I don't All want right. to give you erroneous information. Okay. 7 o'clock, perfect time. Yes. Stand alone. ACC or watch ESPN. ACC Network, watch ESPN. Top 10 matchup, mm-hmm. nowhere to be found. You'll be able to find it. I promise you right now before you so even look at it. So in all of the multiple Foxes you're saying, yes. like Fox Sports Midwest... Maybe not Midwest, but you will find you have the sports package, yes. the extra ten yes. bucks a month or whatever it is. Don't know where that. Is. Yeah, my <laughs> bill is two hundred and eighty dollars a month, and I don't know what I get, but that's what it is. All right, I'm looking through the six hundreds here at that time. Uh huh. 
We're scrolling through. We got Providence at Brown. That's a little college hockey for you. Oh, I was going to say, I thought Providence played Seton Hall at 530 in basketball. Because that game's on, that's an early tip tonight on okay. FS1. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm scrolling. Trent, I mean, you're not going to find it. I'm in the 640s. Still nothing. Come on. And, it's, and you're at 7 o'clock? I'm at 7 o'clock. Oh, that's 7 Eastern. Okay, that's my bad. All right. Still scrolling. Still scrolling. Still nothing. As we approach the uh, 665 in NBC Sports Chicago. And that's where Cappy resides, and he'll be with us tomorrow, courtesy of Centurion Stone. You will get Valpo Loyola tonight. Oh, great. Undefeated Valpo in the MVC. Does that do anything for you? No, not a damn thing. You would rather watch a top 10 matchup, is what you're telling me. Okay, all right. Now, the Jets play uh, Vegas Gold Knights tonight, so, I mean, it's not like my night's going to be a total waste, but I kind of want to watch this game. I mean, these are two ACC heavyweights. Uh, And the reason I bring it up is last night, what did you watch last night? Did you partake in Kansas and Texas at all? Yes, I did. Watched a lot of that. I did start to finish. I I was enthralled by that basketball game. Mm -hmm. Texas had a chance. I mean, that shot the end of the game to to, uh, to win the darn thing. That was a fun, fun game. You know what kind of stuck with me as much as anything? Watching Holly Rowe <laughs> run through the bowels of the fog. You know what? That was... They, they took a shot, and at first mm-hmm. I was, eh, you know, this is... You know, got kind of a hard sell, but I'm glad they did. They actually did it a couple of times, and I've never been there um, to the David Booth family center that now adjoins the uh the, the gym <laughs> more than a gym um but it was, i mean that's when the, the naismith rules of basketball are on display there it was kind of a behind the scenes looks at, at one of the you know, a shrine of college basketball i don't think that's over the top at all to nope. anoint it as that i thought that was a pretty good piece it was yeah and i i really like holly rose work i, I think she does a really good job She'd be she hustled. Yes, she's one of my favorite. I think sideline people. She does a really good job. And, you know what, Trent? And, and uh, to that end, the respect mm-hmm. that coaches and players have for her is very apparent. Every yes. time she st- puts a microphone or asks asks a question, they're never short with her. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have get the you, Holly Rowe wouldn't have got the Nick Saban treatment that Maria Taylor did earlier this year. He would um, they they respect her work and uh, and understandably so and rightly so she deserves to be uh, put in that uh, pedestal. But I thought that was a good piece. Uh, Nebraska early on in the night knocking off Indiana. Trent Nebraska led every step of the way. Mm-hmm. We're going to look back at this Hawkeye slate of games. You know, when it's all said and done. And we're going to look at that Sunday night, that must-win game. And it was kind of that way for both schools because Nebraska had been picked off by... At the time, we didn't know that Maryland was going to be Maryland. Now they look like they're a pretty good team. Um, that win over Nebraska is going to resonate and reverberate a little bit because this is a pretty good Nebraska basketball team. And with, with Iowa and the way that the schedule is built, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. But the metrics, the net, which is replacing mm-hmm. the RPI, Ken Palm, and, and some of the other efficiency metrics, they love Nebraska. Guess what uh, Nebraska is ranked right now in Ken Palm? Well, they're not below. They're not above. Rather, Michigan and Michigan State. No, no, they're uh, not. Are they the third team in the Big Ten? They are. Yes. Tell me, eleventh in the country. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. I was going to say fifteen, sixteen, eleventh in the country. They got some guys, Trent. Yes, they do. I mean, Borchard off the bench had a really good night last night. Roby wasn't terrific. Copeland was. Palmer wasn't. I mean, Palmer was good. Wasn't great. Uh, Watson was really good. Trent. They never gave Indiana a chance in this basketball game. It was. They opened up a big lead. I think it was like nine to two, and they just kept pouring it on the entire night. 
Tim Miles, mm-hmm. fun guy. Interviewed after the uh, after the game. Uh, Rafferty talked to him after the game. He was a little. He was giddy. I mean, just knocked off Indiana, right? Is he a good coach? That I don't know. He's uh, brought talent in. Yes, he has. Not an easy place to win. Uh, the only power not. conference team to never win a tournament game. True, and I don't remember what it was like uh, as far as in Lincoln watching basketball when they were when they were in the Big Eight slash Twelve. But I don't think that they had the turnout and the passion that the Pinnacle seems mm-hmm. to have right now. Um, I mean, it was it's a football state. We all know that. We yeah. don't have to live there to know it's a football state. But basketball in the winter months is you know. It's carrying the flag a little bit over there. You know, and it, it's interesting. And look, I, I like to throw shade like a lot of us here in the state over at our neighbors to the West. Mm-hmm. But they support everything. You know, football is its own animal. Mm-hmm. And we, we could, you know, get into, and I'm sure this will be a sum, summer argument about the fake sellout streak. And we'll get into that yeah. on the football side of things. But it's not just men's basketball. It's women's basketball. It's, it's volleyball. volleyball. Yeah. It, it is all. Simple covered the volleyball championships and yes. was tweeting every two minutes. I, I almost had to block him. And I love Stephen M. Simple. <laughs> Put him on mute for a little while. Yeah, just enough. So, you know, speaking of that mute feature. Yes. Um, how does it work? When, they, you, when you mute somebody, they don't know. Okay. Now, if you block somebody, they, they could, will, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because they'll try to tweet at you or look right. at your stuff, and they can't. Right, right. But if they're muted, all good. They don't yeah. even know. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good one to use. Is it? See, I tried to mute uh, a guy that I like following on Twitter that's obviously got a drinking problem. Oh. Because every two or three minutes, he's picking up one of those badges that you get for- Oh, yes, yes. I just cracked the- Whatever that is, yeah. I have no... But I tw- untapped, I think, is what it's Unta- called. I tried to mute untapped. Ah. But it didn't work. He still got through into my feed, and I, I like the kid. He's a hockey fan, and but it drives me nuts. And it's like, put a slug in the jug, pal. Get some help. What, what would happen if you were unt- untapped every night at 8.30? <laughs> is that all it takes is That's, when you crack a beer? You yes, get, yeah. You, you put it in there, and away you, you go. want somebody to know that about yourself? People think you have a problem, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I think it. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Anyways, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Zuba Mahente and then uh, Ross Peterson in the 11 o'clock hour. So it's not the best night of sports tonight that we will be recapping tomorrow. But man, oh man, the anticipation for tomorrow already with all four of the schools in action. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like those nights. I don't like weeks too much. Set up you mean? This week. Yeah, it's spread it out a little bit. I like when there's something on Tuesday, something yeah. on Wednesday, something on Thursday. Right, right. Now this will be tomorrow. Will be the final. How about this final Wednesday game of the year for Iowa. Last really? time, a lot of Thursdays. Thursdays they get. Remember the two weird Friday games. We talked uh-huh. about that a little bit mm-hmm. next. week. I'm actually looking forward to those Super Bowl. The Friday of Super Bowl weekend is the first one. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I know you are. I'm not. Well, I want to see I'm, what I'm looking forward to, and I shouldn't say I'm looking forward to it. Um, from, I'm looking forward from a different perspective. I'm looking forward to seeing how Hawkeye Nation responds to a Friday night at Carver Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. You know, they got really good opponents. Isn't Indiana the first one, and then Michigan is the second one? Vice versa. Is it So Michigan comes in first, then Indiana. Yes. So here's maybe the best team in the Big Ten that's going to be in Iowa City on a Friday night, not a Saturday. You know, what will they do? I, mean, I, I, think I think it'll be are, fine. Oh, I do too. I think. Well, let me ask you because it's been a long time since I went out. <laughs> I recall it used to be a whole lot easier to go out on a Friday night than a Saturday. You're more, you're more, I think, likely to go out and put the fun meter in the red zone on a Friday as opposed to a Saturday. That's, really? That's always the way I was. Huh? Saturday well, you lick your wounds. Sunday you get ready to go back to the shop. 
I guess I don't look at it that way. Saturday, you got the whole day. I mean, you can day drink. You can do no, everything else. No, I never day drink. Oh, day drinking is so much fun. Yeah, man. I know. I, I never could get into it. It spoils the night. Spoils the night. It does oh. spoil the night. You oh, it makes the night early. even better. You might forget mm. it, but it makes it even better. Yeah, not for this old man. Um, but to my point, I'm anxious to see mm-hmm. how the fan base reacts to having a Friday game. Again, get used to it because there's another one coming. And I don't think this is going away anytime soon. No. Fox Sports 1, I think they found a little niche here. I mm-hmm. watched the coverage last night on FS1. Not sure I like the um, in-studio teams, not over the top, top with Lavin and Rob Stone. And I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, but it was okay. Uh, credit where credit's due. Let's, uh, let's pat some people on the back. Uh, both of them who we uh, have a great deal of respect for. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know that you feel that way about Keith Murphy and yes. about Tommy Birch, and I'm mm-hmm. the same way. Um, Keith Murphy, look, they can rename this award for him. I don't know I don't know enough about the other television personalities outside of central Iowa mm-hmm. to know that, you know, Al, that one day this guy's going to knock him off, right? right, I, right. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but, you know, it's going to be, he's won this now, what, four straight times or something like that? Is that what it is? I think it is. There's got to come a point where he gets sick of making this trip, right? Absolutely. Year after year after year, you go out to North Carolina, and it's, I mean, it's got to be a fun time, not that I'll ever experience it, but it's got to be, you know, something that's certainly the first time you're there. But Tommy Birch, recognized for, for his work uh, in the Sports Writer of the Year, Good for Tommy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, good for Tommy. Um, Mike Halas won it last year. I thought Mike Halas picked up Chad Leistikow's award. Mm. I thought Leistikow was... I think Chad Leistikow's a terrific writer. Yes. I think we're really spoiled here, to be honest We're very you. lucky. Morehouse and Halas and Hines and Monts and Petey and Birchie and Emmerich and Leistikow and who am I missing? John Batterson. Bonencamp, Steve Batterson does a nice job. Um, who are we missing from the West? Anybody? Is there anybody out in the Western? Maybe well, not? it's like the Sioux City paper now. They just pick up Batterson's articles. Do, oh, is that what the they The Sioux do? City Journal. Same thing with the Waterloo Courier. That's coming for Trent. Yes. Um, I I asked Steve if he gets four paychecks since he's in four newspapers. Yeah, no, that's not the case. He's lucky to get one, and he'll tell you that. Yes. He'll tell you that, sadly. Um, But Tommy Birch, um, who's the most... See, I don't know if Mark Morehouse has won one. I don't know if Chad Leistikow has won one. Got to think that those guys are in line for one pretty soon, wouldn't you think? I I would think so. I'm sure Petey in the past as well. Oh, I'm sure he has. Yeah, he has to be. What the? What does that do? Does that? Is it just something for the resume? Yeah, is it, something you can put on your Twitter account. I yeah. guess if you want to, mm-hmm. um, something for your resume. Something that um, you know when Tommy Birch files a story. Yeah, maybe they'll at least for a year uh, refer to him as the you know in the little box. Tommy Birch can be reached at the Des Moines Register. Tommy Birch now sports writer of the year in Iowa 2018 can be reached at. But no, a good award for both of those guys. Happy for Tommy. Happy for Tommy. Happy for Keith Murphy. But he's got to be getting sick of going to North Carolina uh, year after year. <laughs> I saw him on a flight out there years ago to Carolina to pick up a award. Did you? I was going out to call an arena football game uh-huh. and uh, we were on the same flight. In fact, I think that was the first time I ever met Keith. And uh, talked to him a little bit and said, yeah, I'm heading out there to, to Carolina to pick up the award. And I said, well, I'm going up to Pittsburgh to call an arena football game. And um, 
Not, you know what? I don't even want to relive those. <laughs> I mean, Toyota Des Moines would sponsor anything for a while, wouldn't they? They would. They, really they would. would. We'll take a time out. Uh, we'll come back. Rob Doster, Trent, and I will go around college, kind of like we do with Bama Bob, or kind of like we do with Bill Bender, you know, our college football national guys. We're going to do that with Rob Doster. Matt Norlander's going to come in here and do something similar uh, in the weeks to come. But Doster, a regular contributor from this point going forward. Um, do cut beat last night they you know, got or, and they were up 11 nothing were they really 11 9 nothing 11 nothing yeah right away really it was over right hmm. somebody had syracuse plus 17 and i was about ready to rip up that ticket uh, oh, you had syracuse i did you didn't have a money line no 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 that was that was easy speaking of that end of the texas kansas game watching that yeah on the bottom line they put the final score up of the wisconsin maryland game okay i also had wisconsin plus three and a half mm-hmm. dead bet throughout mm-hmm. the whole game they come back mm-hmm on the bottom line, though, final, it flashes 64-62. I get excited. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. I, I pulled this one out of my backside. This had no chance of winning, and I did. Then I look at my phone, 64-60. ESPN had it wrong uh, it's got last night. So I had a fleeting moment about 15 seconds where I thought I got one. Yeah. And, of course, it didn't come to fruition. You know what? Speaking of sports wagering, let's do this at 11 o'clock because we got to get to our guests. Mm-hmm. I sat in on a... I think a very educational Iowa sports wagering meeting yesterday. Oh. Where I think I learned some... I think I'm a little dangerous. Here's where I'm going, Trent, as far as the knowledge that I'm going to uh, spew out there at about 11 o'clock as to how this may happen, uh, how the state appears to be leaning, or... Well, we'll share it at 11 o'clock, and I think a lot of people... I'm rubbing my hands together about this. Well, one. I think you're, well, I told you, and you thought that this, uh, well, I'm not going to say, we'll right. talk about it at 11 o'clock. Um, but some sports wagering intel on our state coming up in about 40 minutes. Rob Doster next, Blair Kirkhoff to follow, Trent and I until noon. We're glad you're with us. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. <laughs> It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Kong in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Portions of the program brought to us by our friends at Fuller Dental, uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, Fuller Family Dental, a couple of locations uh, in eastern Polk County. Uh, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, also in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. If you're new to the area, if you don't have a dentist, it's been a while since you've been there, Dr. Stephen Fuller comes highly recommended by me. He is my dentist, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, fullerdental.net on the web to read more about those outstanding folks. Rob Doster, NBC Sports, college basketball talk. He's going to join us on a weekly basis. Doster, we're glad you're with us. Rob, Trent, and Ken, how are you? What's going on, guys? I'm doing great. Good to be back with you. It's been too long. It has. And last time I think you were bitching at us because we shortchanged you on time. And we'll not, we will not do that. And we apologize. All right? All right, good. Uh, uh, let's get to last night. The Duke overtime loss to Syracuse. Trey Jones goes down in the basketball game. Did America, or has America maybe missed on his importance on that rost- uh, in the roster, Rob? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, for my money, Zion is still the most valuable player on Duke just because he's the best player in the country. I think that we saw 
uh, in their game against Florida State, you know, what he kind of provides them inside. You know, when he went down and didn't play in the second half, it seemed like every other possession, Florida State was getting either an offensive rebound or a lob at the rim or a dunk or whatever. So uh, his, his value to that team and that roster and what he brings, I don't think can be overstated. But Trey Jones is right there as well. You know, honestly, I think that um, Duke could survive losing R.J. Barrett uh, more easily than they could survive losing Trey Jones, and it's kind of twofold, right? So when Trey is on the floor, uh, he becomes the point guard offensively, and it means that R.J. Barrett is able to play off the ball. And, and, and Barrett, for as good as he is, and as well as he can play with the ball in his hands, like he's just a guy that's wired to score and wired to attack. He's not a point guard. He could be a playmaker, he can be a passer, but he's not a point guard. And there's a very specific difference between a guy that wants to you know, initiate offense and is able to spread the ball around, and is able to get guys uh, the ball in certain spots to get the shots that they know work. And Trey Jones is really, really good at that. R.J. Barrett is not the guy that's going to do that job for you. you know, he needs to be the secondary ball handler on your team, or you're not going to be put in uh, an optimal situation for your team to succeed. And that's just the way that it is. I think we saw it a little bit last night. You know, R.J. Barrett um, offensively was kind of put in a situation where he had to be the guy to attack, the guy... Uh, running the point, it just it did not work out all that well offensively for Duke. Barrett finished 8 for 30 from the floor. He was 4 for 17 for 3. And some of that had to do with the fact that Cam Reddish wasn't there as well. And Syracuse's uh, the zone defense they were playing, I don't know if you guys saw that game, but they literally just stopped guarding the three-point line. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't even bother to pretend like they cared if Jack White was shooting three. It was one of those situations, you ever been at the park, and there's a guy you know that can't shoot, that wants to keep shooting, and you just don't guard him. And every time he touches the ball, you say, like, that's the shot we want because you know it's going to make him shoot, and you know he's going to end up missing it, and it's the best thing that can happen for your team. So I've certainly done that. That's what Syracuse did to Jack White last night. And, uh, you know, they did a little bit to R.J. Barrett, too. Even when R.J. Barrett had the ball beyond the three-point line, they weren't out farther than, like, the, the foul line. So um, they just packed everybody inside. They said, we are not going to let Zion beat us. And they tried to make, they, they forced RJ Barrett to make jumpers to beat him. And it worked because RJ Barrett is not a great shooter. So without Cam Reddish on the floor, without Trey Jones on the floor, uh, Duke really struggled offensively. But the other issue, and it's something that no one has really talked about yet, is that Duke is not a great offensive team in the half court. They just aren't. That's not what they're, they're, they're built to do because uh, they aren't great three point shooters. What they are really good at is getting out in transition. And that's where the real value of Trey Jones comes in. Because he is just an unbelievable on-ball defender. I, you know, I honestly, I don't know if there are five guys that I've seen uh, doing this like, since I've started doing this. I don't know if there are five guys I've seen that are better on the ball defensively than Trey Jones is. And it's not just you know we all see the he picks somebody's pocket and he goes in for a layup on the other end of the floor. Like he does that two, three times a game, and you know that's it's an easy four, six quick points, whatever it is. And everybody sees that. But it's not just those plays that he makes. It is forcing the other point guard to initiate offense 38 feet away from the rim with 17 seconds left on the shot clock. It is forcing them to make a bad pass where they throw it out of bounds. It is the missed shots that are created and the uh, the transition opportunities that are created when his ball pressure on the point guard doesn't let the other team get into their offense. When the other team doesn't get into their offense, they force up a shot at the end of the, the shot clock. When they force up a, a shot at the end of the shot clock, all of a sudden, you know, you have Zion grabbing a defensive rebound and going coast to coast 
the other way instead of getting the bucket and having to take the ball out of bounds um, and go and try to run against a set defense. It's everything that he provides defensively while also making sure that R.J. Barrett plays off the ball. You put all of that together, and he's he's kind of the glue that holds that team together. So not only did Duke lose last night because they had to deal with playing without that guy defensively, but it also created it was the worst possible matchup that they could have against a team with a bunch of guys. Like Syracuse doesn't have anybody smaller than six six uh, on the floor, and they have a seven foot two center, and they have two six foot ten wings uh, out there in O'Shea Brissett and Merrick Dolezal. And you're going to have Zion Williamson with those five guys literally standing around him in a circle <laughs> to go and do everything himself. It's just not going to happen. So the combination of not having Trey Jones, not having Cam Reddish, missing two of your top four players while going up against your worst possible matchup on a night where Jack White goes 0 for 10 from 3, they were never going to win that game. You know, Rob, as you go around the national scene, the question is, who's the best team in the country? And Virginia-Michigan, the only undefeateds remaining Virginia has a stain in what happened last year in the NCAA tournament, and Michigan with that big run. If you had to give a futures wager, and I gave you 100 bucks, but it's all even to win the national championship, would you pick one of those two teams, or are you going to stay with a Duke, somebody like that? Well, it all depends on, on the severity of the Stray Jones injury, right? Like, that's the, the big mm-hmm. X factor. For me, the worry last night isn't that Duke lost Syracuse, it's that Duke lost Trey Jones. And, you know, is he going to be out for four weeks, which is what I think a, a normal separated shoulder is? Is it a bad separated shoulder where he's going to be out for six, you know, six weeks from now is March. And if he's going to end up being out for, if he's out for two months, then maybe he doesn't come back until the start of the NCAA tournament. And without Trey Jones, like we saw last night, they're just a different basketball team. So if you could tell me that Trey Jones is going to be healthy in five weeks and is going to have two weeks before the ACC tournament to get back into shape and get back into, uh, you know, a rhythm and to get his legs back underneath them, then I'm putting that money on Duke. If not, I think we're going to take Virginia. You know, mm-hmm. I'm buying Virginia this year. I, I think too. that this team might be the best team that uh, that Tony Bennett has had. And I know we say that a lot, but the difference is this year he's got two NBA players on that team, and that it, and neither of them are the guy that's actually leading the team to score. So um, I'm 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 in on Virginia. You know, the, it, it's weird, man, with with the NCAA tournament and teams that lose uh, early on and kind of get this reputation for. I'm not being able to win in March. You know, that's the same thing that we were saying about Villanova three years ago, right? You remember they had that, like, three-season stretch where they would win the Big East and then go and lose in the first weekend of the NCAA Mm -hmm. tournament? And then we all said that Jay Wright can't pick the win the big one and that that, that Villanova's a bunch of choke artists and they're never Mm going to be able to win in the tournament. And they they just, you always pick them to get upset. Well, you know, they've won two of the last three NCAA tournaments. So maybe that narrative just doesn't work. And maybe... Just maybe the fact that the NCAA tournament is a one-and-done knockout competition, fluky things are going to happen. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in 2016, I believe it was, the Warriors lost the first game of uh, their first series against Memphis. And if that was the NCAA tournament and a one-round <laughs> knockout event, uh, they wouldn't have won that game, they wouldn't have won that NBA title, and, and maybe we wouldn't be talking about the Warriors as like this dynasty, but you know. It's a seven-game series in the NBA. It's not college basketball. The best team isn't always going to win. I always say it like this. The NCAA tournament is the best way to determine a champion and the absolute worst way to pick out who the best team is 
in the sport. And I think that uh, Virginia, their luck is going to have to turn at some point. Hmm. Rob um, Doster is our guest. Virginia. NBC Sports College Basketball Talk. Rob, uh, we got five minutes left with you, and I'm going to take two of them, and I'll, I'll save Trent for the end here. So this is multiple choice. Uh, and I'm going to do Big Ten and Big 12. Big Ten, Michigan, Michigan State, or C, somebody else. Big 12, Kansas, Texas Tech, or somebody else. When the music stops, not the tournaments, but conference play, who wins the Big Ten? Who wins the Big 12? Well, I'm going to go with Michigan. I think that Michigan State might actually be a better team this year than Michigan is, but every single time that Xavier Simpson goes up against Cassius Winston, Xavier Simpson steals his lunch money. He just has Cassius Winston's number. You can go back and look at all the box scores. That is, Xavier Simpson wins that battle, and I don't know if that's because there's something in Cassius Winston's head or it's just the simple fact that Xavier Simpson is an absolute animal defensively. I'm never betting against Xavier Simpson in that matchup, and I just don't think that Michigan State's going to be able to, to win either of those games. So I'm going to go with Michigan there. Um, and as far as the Big 12, look, I am a Chris Beard stan. I love that Texas Tech program. I am probably higher on Jarrett Colder than anybody else covering this sport, mm. but I'm just not going to bet against Kansas until that until they lose. I, I will literally pick Kansas to win until it's mathematically impossible for them to win because, I mean, it's happened for 14 straight years. Mm-hmm. And we always have this conversation. How often have we actually had <laughs> really? this conversation? Like, yeah. At least three times, uh, you know, each of the last three January. So uh, I'm, I'm taking Kansas until they don't do it. On the local front, Rob, uh, famously after the Iowa State win over Kansas, I think, what would you say, they're Villanova, they're going to win a national championship, and since then they haven't won a game. Uh, you put the, the hex of Doster on the Cyclone fans, and they're not real pleased with you, it sounds like. Oh, man. I, I went all in on Iowa State. <laughs> I might have gone all in a little bit too early. Um, in my defense, their last two losses have been by a total of four points. Uh, maybe play a little bit of better defense against Kansas State and you win that yeah. game at home. Mm-hmm. You know, make a couple more shots at Baylor and maybe you win that game. So I'm not totally worried. I, I, I'm still in on the idea that Iowa State is a top 20 basketball team in the country. But, you know, maybe if they're not winning those games, maybe I, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit on, uh, on that one. But uh, you look, that team with the pieces that they have, the way that they can defend, the playmakers that they have, I think that they're still really, really good and really dangerous. The big thing is, you know, you got to get Cam Ward back and healthy, and, and I'm not sure what exactly is going on with his foot, uh, but I'm hoping that it is not something uh, that is serious. Well, the word we'll is he's going to try tomorrow in Lubbock against Texas Tech, so and they need well, him. Yes, yeah. They're going to need him tomorrow night in Lubbock because that's not an easy place to win. No doubt. Rob, last thing for you. Give us a team, I don't care what conference, that's flying under everybody's radar but yours right now. Give me a team that you're keeping an eye on. Um, maybe not to, not to win it all, but it's going to be a pain in the you-know-what, and don't overlook this team. Who is that team? Uh, well, I don't know if they're flying under anybody's radar after uh, what um, Marcus Howard did on mm. Wednesday, but I, I'm very, very much in on the idea that Marcus Howard can literally be anybody in the country because Marcus Howard can literally go off for 50 points on any given night, and I would not be surprised. And if he's going off for 50 or 45 or whatever it is, uh, Marquette is probably going to end up winning that basketball game. So I, I, I had them in the Final Four um, in the preseason. I have not moved off that at all. I think that they are good enough to get there. You know, they also are probably flawed enough that they could end up losing in the first round of the tournament to a, you know, a 12 seed or whatever it would end up being. But 
I'm very much in on – I love the idea of teams that shoot the three really, really well and that have a star that can take over a game because those are the teams that can go out and beat anybody that could shock a, you know, a number one seed in the Sweet 16. So I'm very much in on Marquette. And uh, you have a futures wager on them, I believe, to win it all. Is that correct? I do. It might have been uh, plus 10,000 at some yeah. early what? on in the preseason. So I made sure to uh, – get a few dollars in on that one. Beers on you in Minneapolis, if that's the case. Absolutely. Good Absolutely. St- good stuff, Rob. We'll talk to you next week. Glad you're with us uh, right through the end of, uh, well, cutting down the nets in Minneapolis. Thank you, Rob Dosser. Great to talk to you. You gave me 16 minutes today, and I'm just thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> you can count on the same next week. Thanks, pal. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. Rob Doster. NBCSports.com College Basketball Talk. Blair Kirkhoff coming up next. The Chiefs, the Big 12, Kyler Murray, all with Blair Kirkhoff when Trent and I continue. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back to Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. The whole friend just popped into the studio there, Trent Condon. I heard you saying that. Yeah, Blair Kirkhoff knows him well. He's been many a time, shared many a press box over the year with Randy Peterson from the Des Moines Register. Let's get Blair Kirkhoff in here right now. Kansas City star, busy guy, Burt McGrain Award winner. Congratulations on that, Blair. Trent and Ken in Des Moines. Thank you for coming on. How are you? Well, thank you for that, and I'm doing great. Uh, good talking to you guys. Absolutely. A lot of ground to cover with you, Blair. I guess we should start, first of all, at Arrowhead Stadium, 540 on Sunday night. Maybe it's not going to be quite as bad as the Ice Bowl, but I'm hearing that it's going to be pretty bad with maybe a low of 7, 8 degrees below zero with the winds. Safe to say maybe the coldest game in the history of Arrowhead Stadium potentially coming our way Sunday night? Yeah, the biggest game at Arrowhead Stadium could be the coldest at Arrowhead Stadium. It's it's kind of a shame that the elements are going to be part of the story, but that's as we all know who live in this part of the country. This is um, you know this is winter in the Midwest. Uh, you know, I've, I always tell people from from the, both coasts that the coldest that I've ever been, and that I always am, is walking from my car to Hilton Coliseum. You know, <laughs> yeah. just. Uh, it's the coldest walk that I've ever experienced. I think it's going to be that kind of cold uh, Sunday night at Arrowhead Stadium. So, Blair, we talked a lot during the Royals' runs to the World Series and just the excitement of Kansas City, but take us in. You know, the, the excitement level here, the season with Patrick Mahomes and the team has been able to do, and is even bigger when the, than what the Royals did a few years back? It's different. Um, it, mm. it, it's, it's unique, and it's kind of fun to to note. And you guys, you guys are close enough to it to to remember what it was like, and, and to have sort of a you know a regional uh, approach to the Royals. You know, when the Royals were going through their success in fourteen and fifteen, that was um, the previous thirty years were nothing but futility. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were at the bottom of the barrel in the American League, and. Um, and just hundred lost seasons were piling up, and it was just a hopeless cause. And you'd go to a Royals game, and and the and the fans were wearing you know Yankees and Red Sox jerseys because there was nothing to cheer for. No, you know there was just it was just hopeless at Kaufman. But but with this Chiefs drought of of not appearing in the AFC Championship game, uh, there have been pockets of success. I mean, there 
you know, with um, you know, with, with Marty Schottenheimer in the nineties, it was uh, the, the, the Chiefs had the second or third best record in the NFL. They just had no postseason success. And when Dick Vermeil came in the early two thousands, they had you know, with Priest Holmes, it was a great offense. Trent Green at quarterback, they had you know, they were fun to watch, but no postseason success. And 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 now finally, you know, with it, it's taken you know Andy Reid six years in Kansas City to. You know, to win a home playoff game, but with Patrick Mahomes and uh, and Andy Reid, they have. You know, it's, it's it's just funny how one playoff victory changes the the mood in this town. Everybody was sort of anxious going into that Colts game, and then they handled the Colts, and it's just it's almost like a release valve. People are are just uh, you know they're they're really looking forward to. Sunday's game. And here come the Patriots for the eighth straight time in this conference championship. It's just, it's a remarkable run. We'll likely never see anything like it again. What what impresses me about this Patriots team, there's so many things, but maybe one of the underrated things, Blair, is the offensive line. Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa can wreak havoc uh, on opposing quarterbacks, and they didn't really do that against a mobile a guy that you know where he's going to be in Tom Brady. Um, this offensive line is, is key, I think, for the uh, for the Patriots, what do you think maybe the key to the football game is going to be uh, on Sunday? You know, it's a good observation about what the Chargers tried to do uh, the other day. I, I didn't think they had a good defensive game plan against the Patriots. I think they were counting a lot on Ingram and Bosa to create the havoc, and they were dropping seven a lot, and uh, they weren't getting to Brady. Brady's just going to pick you apart if he has time. Um, the, the Chiefs have to get to Brady. They have to make him a little bit uncomfortable. They've got to move him a little bit. And they did, you know, they, they did that a little bit in the, uh, in the regular season game that they played in Foxborough in week six. They sacked him a couple of times, but Patriots still put up 43 points and, uh, and, and beat the Chiefs 43 to 40. The Chiefs are tied in the regular season. They tied for first in sacks. So they, they can get to the quarterback. Uh, D Ford and Justin Houston on the edge and Chris Jones up the middle. Jones set a, an NFL record for, having at least one sack in 11 consecutive games this year. So that's the one thing in a year that the Chiefs defense was just really, really bad. It's the one thing that they did well was they got to the quarterback, and that's going to be paramount on on Sunday. They've got to find a way to move Brady around, especially if the field's going to be icy and slick, and um, which it looks like it could be. Blair Kirkhoff joining us, Kansas City star. Blair, from the Chiefs over to the Big 12, and certainly a lot going on there. At the forefront of things, the decision for Kyler Murray. Looks like he's going to get uh, even more money from the baseball side of things if that's the route he's going to take. Blair, he gives you a call and says, I need your help, Blair Kirkhoff. What are you telling Kyler Murray to do? Well, yeah, I know what baseball tried to tell him to do. They sent an entourage out mm-hmm. to talk to him and his family on, on Sunday as the decision was uh, was was coming. And uh, and they tried to convince him that you know he could be the, the, the face of, of baseball, not just of uh, the Oakland A's, but of, of baseball. And it just seems to me that baseball has done such a poor job of promoting its stars over the last, I don't know, a decade or maybe even longer. I mean, we, we, we in sports know who Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are, and, um, and, and everybody has their favorite team, but it's just, you know, it's just void of the, 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 the breakthrough individual stars. I mean, uh, and they're trying to convince Kyler Murray to, you know, to stick with baseball and to, and to be that guy. But the problem is in baseball, it takes so long to get to the top. I mean, no. he's, I, I think, you know, he, he's not a major league player. He, if, if he breaks into the NFL, I mean, look at what his, 
you know, his uh, his predecessor Baker Mayfield did, and, and uh, you know, he could he could you know whoever drafts him could start him and and uh, and be relevant right away, and all sorts of ancillary money comes in from you know from being a starter in the NFL from day one. That's not the case in baseball. He'd have to work his way up, and uh, and and still no guarantee you could you could be a star. So uh, I, I I'd like to see him play baseball. I, I just I just would. I it's, football. You know, football has – they've got plenty of Kyler Murrays going in, in, in the sport right now. Baseball doesn't have that, and I, I'd like to see him play baseball. Hmm. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star, is our guest. Blair, I want to go back to the Chiefs for just one more, and then we'll get the Big 12 basketball to finish it out. My theory, watching this Chiefs team and knowing what they – you know, could be for the next decade. I know right now they're reaping the benefits of having their quarterback on a rookie contract, similar to what the Seahawks were before they had to pay Russell Wilson. I think Patrick Mahomes has a chance to be the next face of the NFL, him or Baker Mayfield. This Kansas City team, I don't think they're going anywhere, as I keep telling my fellow Bronco fans or Raiders Charger fans, uh, be in for, you're, we're in for a long decade because this kid's really good and is going to only get better. This Chiefs team, I'm not saying they're going to be America's team, but they're going to start appearing on more radars than maybe the Kansas City Chiefs as a brand ever have. You're absolutely right about that. I, I have that discussion with people here that um, that the, the foundation is set with a quarterback like Mahomes to be a, a decade-long uh, competitive team, be in the playoff, if not in the playoffs, in the playoff hunt every year. And and, and, and you hit on it. It's, it's all about managing the, the, the salary cap and and maybe even Patrick Mahomes uh, doing what Tom Brady did and taking, you know, Brady was never the highest paid right. quarterback in the NFL. And, uh, and he did that because, you know, he, he wanted to win and winning meant that much to him. If that meant spreading the, you know, the, the, the money and the salary cap around to other players, he was good with that. And, uh, and maybe that's what it's going to take the Chiefs to be competitive, not this year and next year, you know, with the, with, with Patrick Mahomes contract, they're going to be fine. It's after that. It's the, the 2020 and beyond, they're going to have to uh, either restructure or, or him and, and some others uh, uh, to, to remain a, uh, a dominant force. But but with Mahomes and with Andy Reid, who's um, you know who's, who's like about 60 years old, has many years left. I, I think Tyreek Hill is going to be a priority assigning for them. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be Chris Jones in the middle. I think all those guys are going to be priorities for the Chiefs. And then you build around that core. Um, you let some veterans go, and, and you and you and you draft well, and you develop well, and, and I think that's that's the that when we talk about the Patriots' way, that's the Patriots' way. It's not the assistant coaches they sent out; it's the the way that they've managed their salary cap for almost twenty years now. You know, Blair, uh, over to the Big Twelve and the basketball side of things. Watching KU last night, it was. A win, but it just doesn't feel like the Kansas that we're used to. Is this a team that you're concerned about winning another conference title, keeping that streak alive, or or do you like Texas Tech or somebody else to make a run? Because right now it just doesn't feel like Kansas. No, 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 it does. It certainly didn't uh, when they when they lost by 17 and eight uh, a week or so ago. And and uh, I, I think right now the way I look at this Kansas team is um, the the. the it's it's one of those teams where the the sum of the parts are greater than the whole. You know, it just it you know they, they've got a lot of good players, but they're still trying to figure out how to put it together. And um, it, it's a completely different Bill Self team than the one that he that went to the Final Four last year. That was so dependent on three point shooting with uh, you know with Devontae Graham and and uh, uh, Malik Newman and Steve McKay Luke and 
Uh, th- this one has, um, you know, a, a terrific inside presence in Dietrich Lawson. And, and uh, they lost, you know, Yudok Azubuki is a big loss for them. But um, but it's, it's not a good shooting team. It's, it's not a very good shooting team. And so that's why all their games are close. Uh, they usually out-athlete people, but mm-hmm. but other teams are knocking down threes, and the Jayhawks aren't. And that's how Texas made up a 10-point deficit in the final couple of minutes. They kept knocking down threes, and the and Jayhawks kept missing free throws, and, and all of a sudden the game's closed. I, I agree with you, Trent. I, I don't know if this is a, a, a Big 12 title type team, but having said that, somebody made the good point. And, and after Iowa State beat KU last week, it turns around and has an 0-2 week. That's how that's how Kansas ends up winning the Big Twelve. Year. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to beat Kansas and beat them on your home floor, but then you've got to follow yes, it up you with do. another another good win, a road win. You've got to follow it up, and, and Iowa State didn't do that last week. No doubt, uh, Blair. Great stuff. Thank you. Does it feel like you'll be headed for Atlanta? I think so. I do too. I think so. I just do. I got. I got to stand. I just, Patriots not a good road team this year. That's the other thing. Good stuff. Thank you, Blair. Appreciate it. Uh, anytime you can give us some uh, an opportunity to talk with you. Thank you, Blair. Great talking to you guys. Good to talk to you, Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword TAXI to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. Let's try and give you $1,000, your chance to win right now, courtesy of EKG Golf. Just text the word TAXI to 200-200. Zubin Mahente in 15 minutes. New little fishing before we get out of here. And some gambling talk next. Yes. And some golf talk next. Ooh. Well, you the one who told me. Hackfest is back. It's back. Well, that's good news. We'll do that, and we'll do some uh, Iowa sports wagering intel on the other side of this. Trent and I with an hour to go. Glad you're with us. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.